you just bow your heads a moment? You know, we, we understand things in this world according to our, our physical senses, our emotions, our, our mental understanding of things. But yet God created us as spiritual beings. And Lord, we pray that in that deep, deep part of our life, deeper than our mind, deeper than our thoughts or attitudes, but in our spirit we could really understand what it means that God loves me. That he went to the greatest length imaginable to show me he loves me. And that my bad actions, my sins, my mistakes don't keep me away from his love. While I was yet a sinner, the Bible says Christ died for me. I want to just believe with you as we're just in the Lord's presence a moment that condemnation will be broken from your life. That sense of shame that you bring with you wherever you go because of your weakness and failure. That's not of God. He wants you to come near Him. He has adopted you in His family as a son, as a daughter. We welcome you today, Lord. Slip your hands to heaven and just say, Lord, would you reveal that to me at a deeper level that you love me and that I would know and sense your affirmation and your care. Just reach out to him as he sings it softly. Many of you feels like God doesn't care. How could this be happening if he did? Let his presence wash that away today. We say you're awesome. Come on, give him a big hand this morning. He's an awesome and an amazing God, isn't he? Give your neighbor a high five. Tell him it's good to see you today, and, and you may be seated. Turn your Bibles to the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah in the Old Testament. I'll be, we'll be having a shorter service today, dismiss a few minutes earlier than we normally would, because I want everyone to come and be our guest in the powerhouse. We're having our ministry fair there. There'll be some food, some hot dogs, and nachos, and just kind of hang out a little bit, jumpy house for the kids. But the main thing is not just food, but I want you to see everything going on in the life of your church. Take just a few minutes and, and go down there with me, but make sure you bring your children. Punch your neighbor and say, don't leave your kids up there now. That's one rule we have in this church. We don't have many rules, but one is if you bring your kids, you've got to take them home, okay? All right. Nehemiah chapter 3, we have been doing a series, as you can see from the props on the stage, called Under Construction. We've kind of mirrored what God wants to do in our lives as to what's going on in this interstate system out here. And how many know there's been progress? I mean, it still seems like a snaky maze out there, but those guys are working out there. Well, guess what? God wants to work in here. God wants to do some construction in our hearts. He wants to do some construction in our church. He wants to do some construction in America. How many know that? I was really encouraged yesterday. I saw on the news that there were about a, uh, estimates as high as a million people gathered in Washington yesterday simply saying, America needs to turn back to God. America, ne America needs to recognize our godly foundations, our heritage. 
God bless everybody else in the country, but listen, we're not trying to force Christianity on anybody, but guess what? We just simply want to recognize that God is the one that gave us this great nation, and how many know that's a good thing? America is under construction. So we've looked at this book of Nehemiah, and by the way, you can pick up any of the past messages. They're on our webpage, churchontherock.org. Download them to your phone or your computer, whatever you like. Watch them, listen to them. But this book of Nehemiah has been a picture, a metaphor, a, a, a type of spiritual principles from an Old Testament book about what God would do in our life as modern-day believers. So let's step into it for time's sake this morning. Go quickly. Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 1. Nehemiah's primary job was to read build a wall, a broken down wall around the city. This wall would provide protection from their enemies, protection from the pagan influence of the world, but it also gave them a sense of spiritual identity as the people of God, and it had been broken down for decades. And what God is in the process of doing is rebuilding. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 3 verse 1, a man named Eliashab, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. Now, archaeologists have found this wall around ancient Jerusalem. It was about eight feet wide, but it also had big, heavy wooden gates. And these gates is where the people would come in. So they're rebuilding the, the stone wall, but they're also putting gates in place. Notice this phrase. It's key. They consecrated it, and they set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred and as far as the Tower of Hananel. Now, this word consecrated, it means they dedicated it. In other words, they dedicated it to the work of the Lord's service. So what they were doing, and here's what I want you to see this morning. God had given them a job to do. They had a task that was before them, and it was to build this wall. And this is going to be a picture this morning of the job, the task, the ministry that God has for every one of us as individual believers. God created you with a purpose. God didn't just want you to just enjoy life and listen to the preacher and just kind of live on your merry way, but He has something that He wants you to do to build His kingdom. He's got people He wants you to care for, people He wants you to teach, people He wants you to love, people He wants you to reach out to. He's got things for you to do in this world to advance the kingdom of God. And it was a sacred work that they were doing. It wasn't a secular work. It wasn't just a construction job. They were dedicating this work of building to the Lord. Now, verse 2 says, Next to him the men of Jericho built. Next to him a man named Zachar, the son of Emery, built. Then the sons of Hassanah built the fish gate. They laid its beams, set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them Merimoth, the son of Uriah, and a man named Hakaz repaired the wall. Next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezab, you know his name. And next to him, Zadok, the son of Banner Repaired. I'm so glad we have simpler names today. I'm glad I took phonics in high school or in grade school to get me as far along with that as I did. But if you were to look at that third chapter, I won't labor you with any more reading, but the whole chapter reads like that. It's one of those chapters, and, and I must confess, sometimes when I get to chapters in the Bible like genealogies, Chronicles had a lot of those when you were reading through it. It's kind of hard to get anything out of these arch archaic names. Are, are you with me? But every once in a while, it'll throw something in there that's insightful. And I want you to pause just a minute as we look back what was happening about 2,500 years ago is virtually all the people in that city were getting together and they were doing this work of the Lord. They represented 40 different groups of people that all had their part to play. And I want you to hear me because there's a message in this for us today. The message is this, is that God has a job for His people and great things happen when we work together in unity. Let me say it again. God has a job for His people. Punch your neighbor and say, God has a job for you. 
See, I, I don't care if you're a teenager. I don't care if you're an elderly person. God has something for you to do in this world for Him. Something that's perhaps big picture, but also little things that happen. I, I had a very encouraging uh, conversation yesterday with one of our church members. We had a, a little picnic in the park for the, for the kids' ministry. And he was telling me that God had brought, uh, I think it was a 94-year-old woman in his life, and he just felt the burden of the Lord just to help her. He said, meals on wheels doesn't do everything she needs, so I just bring her some food. I fix some things around the house. And guess what? How many know that's a good thing? He said, she's as dedicated a Christian woman as I have ever met. And he was an answer to her prayer. So when I'm talking about God has a job for you to do, I don't mean that it's just like Linnell just took a trip to Indonesia. A church over there invited her to come. She was there, ministered uh, uh, over a week to both in the people in the church as well as to in, in, in the mountain outlying region. Well, that's a big thing, but listen, that is no more important than going to that 94-year-old woman, come on, that prays every day, God, give me this day my daily bread, and here somebody brings her something to eat. So I want you to see this message today is very practical, that there is something that you have in your world today that God wants you to lay your hand to and do. So let's explore this now. The truth that I want to give you this morning is this, that God has something for everyone to do. And here's the great news. If we serve Him, He's going to reward us. Now, how many know that's coming? It's coming in this life, but it's also coming in the world to come. Now, go to Ephesians chapter 4 if you have your Bible. I want to make this statement this morning. Everyone has a ministry. Now, ministry is kind of an interesting word. Unless you're in Christian circles and speak Christianese, you may not know what that means. But this word ministry, it simply means it's what we do to serve the Lord. And everybody has a gift, an ability, an opportunity, uh, an eye to see. Everybody has something they do to serve the Lord. Every Christian is called to serve the Lord. Now, I want to challenge you this morning because not every Christian serves the Lord, but every Christian is called by God to serve the Lord, called by God to use what He's given us. We've all got a ministry. The idea that there are what's called professional clergy and then everybody else is a misnomer. That is not a biblical idea that the preachers do the work of the ministry and, and your job is to sit and listen. That is just absolutely not true. We are both Christians, but we both have different roles in the body of Christ. Listen to what Ephesians 4 talks to us about the gifts of, of, of Christian leaders. Ephesians 4.11, the New Living Translation, says, Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. So the gifts that Christ gave were people, and they're given with a purpose. So He gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Interesting list. When I was a boy, I didn't know anything about apostles and prophets. A teacher was okay, an evangelist was okay, and a pastor was okay. But it's interesting that he threw in a couple of words that have come back to the church in the last 20, 30 years, the apostle and the prophet. Now, I don't have time to talk about them much today, but if you continue to reading that passage, it would say we need these gifts until that which is perfect has come. In other words, until God brings us to that place of unity and perfection, and we're certainly not there. But notice their purpose, verse 12, and this is where I'm going. Their responsibility is to do what? Come on, you can read it. It's on the screen. It's to equip God's people to do His work. Say it again. It's to equip or train God's people to do His work. 
So that's my role, is to not only teach you truth, to encourage you, but it's more than just being an employee that hires and, mar- and buries and marries. I mean, know what I'm talking about. But it's to try to give you something, to give you opportunity, to spark you, to motivate you, to challenge you, to do what God has called you to do with your life and to be the kind of person He wants you to be. Now, Paul added to this in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 4. Listen to this verse. It says, just as our bodies have many parts... And each part has a special function. Can you say special function? Now, here, the body of Christ is a picture that's, that's also brought to us in 1 Corinthians 12. Is we like a spiritual body or like our natural body? How many know you need an, you need an eye and you need an, a nose that works? The, this crazy pollen in the air, sometimes my nose gets stopped up and it's not, I can't breathe. I mean, you've got a problem. Uh, can you imagine how you'd have picked your coffee cup up this morning if you didn't have a thumb? Think about it just a second. Think about it now. Now, I've got big hands, and I could probably do the cup like that. But if you, if you had smaller hands and didn't have a thumb, you'd probably take both your hands to pick up that glass, and it would be very awkward. You, you might even spill it. Well, guess what? Some of you are thumbs in the body of Christ. You're a thumb in this body. You're a thumb in the broader body of Christ. And if your ministry is absent, guess what? Something's missing. It's more difficult. Guess what? If you're a, a, eyes, have you... Uh, Linnell and I went to a marriage retreat recently. And uh, it was for pastors. And they did an exercise where you blindfolded one another, and the person that was the other spouse would walk that spouse to the car, to the parking lot in the car, and, nails, and without touching them. I mean, she's just telling me where to go, and I'm kind of. Well, guess what? You need your eyes. And when you took it off, you could see. And God has a unique role for you in the body of Christ that He wants to be doing because the body is made healthier and more people are touched and ministered to if you do your part. Now, I know the early years of my Christian life, I had no clue what I was called to do. But I want to encourage you in this. As you continue, what I did, I'll tell you what I did. I just started to do whatever came across my pathway. Whatever I had a desire to do, I just began to do. Uh, a number of years ago, tambourines were somewhat popular in church, so I got a tambourine. If I was the worship leader in this church, you'd have got here about 1110. Because I can't sing. And my friends made it so clear to me. One day, we were doing some repair work on the ceiling. They threw my tambourine in the ceiling. This is a true story. It was lost for two years. And when it came down, I vowed that day, I will never play the tambourine again. Because that is not my gift. Don't say amen too loud, okay? This is a tender part of my life. But you just have to explore and experiment what you're good at, come on, and what bears fruit. And what bears, listen, what produces fruit and brings you satisfaction, I'll suggest to you that that's what God's called you to do. Where your passion is, the things that you see to do and the things that you felt drawn to do, if you will just begin to do that, I promise you, my friend, you'll find yourself in that, in, in that role. One of the great things that we do in this new Connect class we're doing is we do a spiritual gift inventory where you can look at your experiences, your spiritual gifts, find out what God has called you to do, and get plugged in with that. Now, let's keep reading. In His grace, now verse 6 is the most important. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And every one of you has an ability to do something well. I'm I'm intrigued about how different we are in the body of Christ. Some people love children, 
If you happen to know a lady named Miss Lil in our church, I mean, if you're going to have a birthday party for those little kids, it, it looks like the Taj Mahal. She has a, a, a throne for that child there, and she has a crown, a princess crown to put on her head. And I mean, that little baby is the... Now, if you ask me to do a birthday party, listen, I'm going to stop by Albertsons, and I'm going to get some cupcakes, and I'm going to hope Linnell had some candles at home, and that's about... Oh, you, you understand what I'm saying? But people have different passions and abilities. Verse 6 says, uh, if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then you speak it out with as much faith as He's given you. If it's serving others, then do what? Serve them well. How many know you can do it well or poorly? If you're a teacher, then teach well. If your gift is to encourage, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God's given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. If you've got a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So this is just one small list or synopsis of the motivational gifts that God has given to us. But the main thing is, is you just do what God's called you to do. Now, I hope you're really going to look at this ministry guide that we gave you. But I want to just, I was looking through this today, and I was thinking about some of the gifted people. Now, here's a class that's called Lies Exposed, Exposed and Truth Revealed. Joe Cruz teaches this class. Now, Joe's an architect by trade, but he probably knows more about culture and remembers the facts of what's going on in our world and has an ability to see it from a biblical perspective than anybody I know. See, he's got a gift there. Uh, celebrate recovery. Joe and Lena Williams. Now, these are, this is for people struggling with addictions. And I would be willing to bet that everybody in this room has some form of addictive behavior. Come on. Well, you didn't say amen very loud on that. Uh, were you guilty or were you just, you, you gotten perfect on me? Well, guess what? They've got not only the knowledge and the patience and the ability to help people, they've got spiritual power to help people get delivered. See, so guess what? If that's a problem you've got, you don't need to come talk to me. You need to go to what they're doing. And I just begin to look at this. Now, now this is an interesting one. A chemo cat ministry. Mary Alterbaum, and now listen, Mary sews. I've known Mary for 20 years. She loves to sew and make things. Now, you can either make, make doilies and doodads for all your kids, come on, and grandkids, or you make a little money. Or, but she found a way for women that have chemo treatment, lose their hair, and probably spend all their money, are embarrassed to go out in public, and she makes some of the neatest hats, and she gives them, she sends them with a prayer, the church's name and phone number, and I'm going to tell you what, it touches people's lives. I mean, look, missions-minded. Karen and Wanda. Miss making meals, doing fundraisers, so when we do missions trips, people that don't quite have enough money so they can get on the mission field. It's like taking your gifts and your... Here's another one, helping hands. Bill came up to me, Bill Ferguson. He's at a, at a transitional time of his life, and he said, I'm looking at the future. I've been a handyman all my life. Is there a way that I can help single moms and elderly people, come on, with their house? Amen. My first question was, how old do I have to be to be elderly? I mean, <laughs> I mean... You understand what I'm talking? And you could just you could just look at the whole a Spanish outreach. Jerry Ballard married a Hispanic girl, cutest little baby you've ever seen in your life. And guess what? He's a teacher, so now he wants to bring this gift of English to people in America, people in our church, people in our city that can't use this access to access all America society has to offer. So these are just a handful of ways. And here's what I want to tell you this morning: God has given you a gift. He's given you an ability, and here's something I want you to see. You can either use it or you can bury it in the ground. How many know he wants us to use it? Let's look a little further. The Bible warns us not to waste or ignore his call. Now, uh, Matthew chapter 25, let me say it again. God warns us not to waste or ignore his call to serve him. You remember the parable of the talents? 
It's a parable that Jesus told. In this parable of the talents, a talent, by strictest definition, was a bag of money. It's like a talent of gold or silver. If you can imagine a bag of silver, and one man he gave five bags, one two, and one one. And in the parable, he said, listen, I want you to go and use what I've given you. So it's a tremendous application for what we would see as talent or ability or what's been entrusted to you. You remember what happened? One man got five talents. He went and he multiplied it in, in, in a way that uh, was, a, was a mirror of capitalism. How many know capitalism's a good thing? <laughs> That's why America is successful. It's a biblical concept. He multiplied that money. And what did his master say? Come on, say it again. Well done. And then one got two bags of silver. And he multiplied it and got two more. What did his master say to him? Well done. But here's what I want you to see about the one who got one bag of silver. The Bible says, and I'll summarize, he hid the talent in the ground. Now, this is a picture for someone that wastes it. Now, I fully understand that there's times of life that you've gone through a transition in your life where you just need to kind of just sit and soak. I mean, well, that's a good thing sometimes. See, this is not just an opportunity to try to sign you up and wear you out. There's times in life where you just need to sit and just receive, but you don't need to do that the rest of your life. See, you need to be able to get strong. So you, That's why you have a, a, weekly, a, day, a weekly Sabbath. That's why you have a time of rest. That's why you need a day off so you can recreate yourself so you can go back to the business of life. But having said that, some people bury their talents in the ground. And notice what the master said. He called them a wicked and what? Lazy servant. Throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there's going to be what? Now, I don't know what you think, but that doesn't sound very good to me. You know what I want to hear Jesus say? Well done. Do you know one day we're literally going to be in heaven? One day, listen, one day there's not going to be any more pain, no more sickness, no more mosquitoes, no more dry days of July. Come on, no more having to get up and go to work to a job you don't want to go to. This is going to be a good day. But somewhere in that process is going to be a judgment day, not to who goes to heaven or hell, but it's what's called the Bema Seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, where the Lord will simply ask this question, what did you do with what I gave you? And to whom much is given? Yeah. So he's put a lot in your hands. And the big question I want to pause just a second to cause you to ask yourself is, what are you doing with what God has given you? Are you using it or have you buried it? And if it's not being used, I want to encourage you, begin to use it. Because how many know you have no guarantee about tomorrow? See, we, we have, we have uh, all sorts of excuses that can kind of get on us, you know, why we, why, we, why we don't do it. I mean, there's a million reasons. We don't have time. We're too busy. Can I tell you this? If you're too busy to be serving the Lord, how many know you're... Uh, you need to take a look at your life and don't let things that will not last take all of your time. Someone say praise the Lord this morning. Hey, let's go to Nehemiah chapter 13. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up, and then we're going to go down to the powerhouse together. Nehemiah 13. Now, this is the most wonderful news today, is that God is watching with what you, what you do. And He's recording what you do for Him. And one day, He's going to reward you for the good that you've done. Now, I want you to listen. As young people, I want you to listen to me today. Because you've got more years to do this than I do now. I'm 53 now. Some of you are 18, 19 years old or, or 14. You may be 30 or 40. But you don't know how long a time you've got. But at some point, your time is over. 
I, I was talking to my mother uh, yesterday, and uh, mom's in her 70s, and she loves to garden, but she said, I just about can't pull up those weeds anymore. <laughs> they're, you're just, they're just, it's just dry, and it's hard, and my back hurts. I mean, the thing that you love to do when you were younger, at some point in life, you can't do it anymore. And here's my word to you today is while you have life and breath, do the most important thing in your life. Do what God has called you to do and don't waste your talent and abilities. Don't say I'm going to go have fun first and serve God later in my life. That is a misnomer because you have no guarantee that you'll have that time. Nehemiah chapter 13 verse 31, I'm going to close with this. God will reward you for your faithful service to build His kingdom. Now listen to this. The last words of the book of Nehemiah, think about this, this great book about this tremendous man that's turned a nation around, and here's what he said. He said, remember me, come on, remember me, oh my God, for good. Can you say that with me? Remember me, oh my God, for good. Now what is he asking? Do you know he said that four times in this book? He's simply saying this, Lord, I want to be blessed and I want to be rewarded for the good that I've done. And I'm doing this to give it to you, but I sure would like for you to remember it and give me something good in my life. See, Nehemiah was a governor, and he made a tremendous sacrifice of his life. You know, the governor was entitled to, to, to a certain portion of money and a certain portion of, of animals and all these things, but Nehemiah wouldn't take his portion. What Nehemiah would do is Nehemiah, listen, would literally give it back and pay it his own way. And when he did that, he said, Lord, remember me for the good that I'm doing for these people. Here's what he's saying. Lord, I'm serving you, and if I don't get a reward right here, that's okay, but I know you're going to reward me one day in heaven. Four times he said that in that book, and I want to tell you, God does remember, friend. The Bible says in multiple places that God has a book, and he records the things that are going on in our life. Listen, don't waste it. I'm going to, this, Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, now think about this. We looked at what Nehemiah's last words were. Listen to Jesus' last words in the Holy Bible. The last few verses of the book of Revelation say this. After everything has been over, from Genesis to Revelation, Jesus said this, Behold, I'm coming soon, and my, my reward is with me. And notice what he's going to reward now. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has thought about. I'll give to everyone according to what you believed. What does it say? To what you did. And I want to encourage you this morning as best I can to spur you on to good works. For some of you, it may be a commitment that you make a night a week or an afternoon a week or, or, or a daily thing. For others, it may be an opportunity that comes from you and it's a 94-year-old woman that needs somebody to look out for them. Nobody else knows about it but you. See, there's big things that sometimes you will have an opportunity to go on a missions trip. You save your money, you go and you serve. Whatever it is, though, Jesus is watching and Jesus will reward us. Praise the Lord. Hey, here's how we're going to close. We're going to do a, a, a video about a recent youth camp called Impact. And I want you to see two things. I want you to see the kids whose lives were impacted, but just as important, I want you to think about the adults and the people that served that made it possible. Take a peek at this. Hey, this is Travis, and last weekend we had Impact for the youth. Impact was amazing. Impact was awesome. Impact was amazing, like you could just feel God. Impact was amazing. 
And over the weekend, 80, 90 students stayed the whole time and we had just a great time. Uh, Jesus showed up. Before I went to Impact, I was kind of scared to worship or what people would think of me. Now I really just don't care anymore, you know. You're here for God, you're not here for anybody else. Impact changed my life because it just brought me closer to God. And it just took me to a whole new level I've never experienced before. And we had several kids that got saved for the first time. We had a lot of rededications. People are already kind of noticing a change in me. It was really amazing and God seriously touched my life. And we had several kids get filled with the Holy Spirit. It's just a great weekend and God is awesome. Hi, my name's Tara and I'm the preteen director, um, ages four through sixth grade. And two weeks ago we had our Elevate lock-in and we had 47 kids show up. Um, it was amazing. We had awesome worship. I really felt like this year the kids dug in a lot deeper than they did the years past. And the really awesome thing about the, that weekend was that um, we had a lot of kids from the powerhouse come and volunteer. They did our worship. They in, were involved in activities that we did. Um, they also, even some of them, stayed the night. So um, it was just amazing to see how kids that graduated from this ministry are willing to come back and serve in this ministry. So um, God is awesome. Hi, I'm Rachel. I helped coordinate some of the volunteers that helped at Impact. In addition to the 20s band coming and playing and doing worship all weekend, it took several volunteers to feed several meals for the kids. We had people show up at 7 o'clock to make breakfast. We had others that stayed till midnight or later to help serve snacks to the kids. There were also some that even stayed all night long just to supervise. It takes a lot of people to pull off an event like Impact. You may not know it, but every week there are dozens of volunteers that help. They help during Sunday and Wednesday services and for large events that we have. It takes a lot of people to do what we do here at Church on the Rock, and everyone has a ministry. What's yours? Hey, that's a great question, isn't it? Point your finger at your neighbor and ask that question. What's yours? What's yours? Listen, I want to encourage you today. Step into yours. I want to pray with you today, and then we're going to dismiss, and you're going to get your kids, and we're going to go down to Powerhouse, and I sure hope you'll come down and spend just a couple minutes. It'll be fun for the kids, snow cone, bouncy house a little bit, but just give you a chance to see what's going on. You know, if someone asks the question, what, what kind of church is Church on the Rock? I just tell them, look on here. Because just like that video you saw was about our, 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 our high schoolers, you could say the same thing about the, the elementary kids, about the college age, about adult things, about outreach, about missions. This is what Church on the Rock is about. It's about using what God's given us to work together to make a difference in the lives of people. And my prayer for you is not just for what we do, but for you, that you'll do what God's called you to do. So one day he'll look at you and say, well done. Let me pray for you. Well, Lord, I want to pray for each person now that we would apply this word. It's undeniable in the Bible that God says that there's a wall to build. You've got a gift. I've called you to serve. There's a ministry. I want you to put your hand to the plow. Don't look back. I want you to do it, and I'll reward you. So my simple prayer this morning is, Lord, that each one of us would find what you've called us to do. That it wouldn't be just some big, you know, way off far thing that takes us years to figure it out but we just begin to do what our hand finds to do something we hear about something we see in the bulletin a phone call an email something and the love of God we become a channel for the love of God just like a garden hose we get that water from the, from the fountain over to the flower bed and we want to be a channel for God to flow through and use I pray Holy Spirit you bless each one that's serving I thank you Lord for your promise that one day you will reward us I pray, Lord, if we are a little too busy 
if we're distracted, I pray that you would help us refocus and simplify our life and embrace that which truly matters. And this is our prayer today in Jesus' name. Anybody said? Yeah. Let me tell you, we're going to close the service. In just a minute, we're going to have a closing song. We'll sing a, a, a verse of it and go out to the powerhouse. But I'm going to give opportunity at that point. When you stand up, he begins to sing. If you're here and you need special prayer, we're going to have a prayer team that's going to come. When you stand, they'll be standing, they'll be coming. But I know there's a lot of people that are here today that it, you brought some struggles with you to church. How many know everybody's got them? I've got some. And there's sometimes I do okay managing my struggles and praying with them on my own. But sometimes I need to pray with somebody. Sometimes I just, it's like, I just need a little help with the burden that's on my shoulders. I need to get a little somebody else's faith. You ever made a peanut butter sandwich and you looked inside the jar and there just wasn't enough peanut butter for a sandwich? Well, well, guess what? You can either take that one piece of bread and fold it in half and have a half a sandwich, or you can open the other jar, come on, and stir it up a little bit and, 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 and get you some more peanut butter. Well, sometimes you, that's what a person brings to you is a little bit more peanut butter. And, 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 but it's spiritual peanut butter. It's faith. It's belief in God. And listen, it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit because we've got a lot of Spirit-filled people here that will pray for you just like God is talking to you. So if you've got some needs when we all stand to sing, you, you come on up and we'll pray for you. Let me ask this last question before I go, and I want to ask it briefly today. But I ask this question every Sunday. If you were to die today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Now, don't minimize and don't think about something else. Can I tell you there's nothing more important? I don't care. I don't care what you've got to do tomorrow at work. It's not as important. I don't care how much money you've got to have for a payment. It's not as important. I don't care where your retirement is not as important. The most important thing in this life is not that next coat of wax on your car. All those things are important, but don't get me wrong. They're just not the most important thing. And the most important thing is your personal relationship with God. I lived under an illusion, a lie, in my early years as a teenager. I just thought if you were good enough, you went to heaven. It's kind of like a scale. And I hadn't killed anybody, raped or murdered anybody, so I was a shoe-in. That's not what the Bible says. See, the Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And our sin, yours and mine, has created a wall between God and I. It's like I'm on an island. As you can imagine, you're on Alcatraz Island. And there's no bridge and there's no ferry and you can't swim, even though Clint Eastwood did, okay? You're stuck. You're out on an island and you can't get off and you need help. Jesus Christ was a bridge from San Francisco to Alcatraz, where you could walk across that bridge. The cross is like, it's his sacrifice of his life. It's like he paid for your crime. It's like owing, owing a car payment, can't pay it, and the repo man comes. But wouldn't it be great if your dad or your friend or someone went over and paid the note for you? That's what Jesus did on the cross. He paid the note. Here's what he wants you to do. He wants you to believe in him, and he wants you to follow him. Because if you truly believe, you'll truly follow if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want to get my life right with God. I want to ask God to forgive my sins. I want to get on track with God. Because here's one thing I want to tell you. You cannot do enough good works to get to heaven. Serving God is important, but you cannot serve God enough to get to heaven because it doesn't deal with your problem. The problem is your sin. So if you're here today and you want someone to pray with you that God would give you a brand new start, that God would wash your sins away, that God would give you that gift of eternal life and help you get on the road to following Him, we'd like to pray for you when we're done. So if you're here today and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to get right with God today. Pray for me. Would you lift your hand real quickly if that's you this morning? Real boldly this morning, I want to get right with God today. 
We'll get right with God today. You say, well, why do I have to raise my hand? Because here's the thing I know. If you can't raise your hand and make a step when everybody will clap their hands, you'll never do it at work tomorrow, and you'll never do it at school when you're out there. Following Christ is a challenge or a step. And I, I just believe there's people here this morning that know you need to make a step to Christ. And I want to give you that opportunity today. Jesus Christ said, if you confess me before men, I'll do what? Confess you before my Father. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. So if you're here today, I want to ask you one last time. And this is not to join Church on the Rock. This is to help you get connected to Jesus Christ. If you're here today and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to get right with God. Lift your hand quickly this morning. I know you're here today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, praise the Lord. I'll ask you again next week, but we all got to live with our decision. Praise the Lord. Hey, listen, this was a wonderful day today. Why don't you give the Lord a big hand this morning? This was an awesome day. Why don't we stand to sing? We're going to do one last chorus. And if you want, our prayer team is coming now. And if you need prayer, you come up and someone will pray for you. And I'll see you at the powerhouse building at the ministry fair. You come for prayer and someone will stand with you. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my heart.